Welcome to Bedknobs and Broom Flicks, the podcast that talks about witches, man witches, warlocks, sorcerers, and other magic practitioners in movies, television, comics, books, books, and well, just about everything. Uh, someday we might even cover a game like we've been talking about. <laughs> we also talk about heroic and just plain awesome animals as our favorite familiars and witches in history. Uh, sorry, this show will include spoilers. You've been warned. But if you haven't seen today's movie, uh, then... You were born in the 80s, because I'm sure it's the kids who were born in the 80s saw the movie that was made in the 90s. <laughs> then uh, you, you've really got to hop to it. You've got no excuses. It's been 24 years. So uh, my name is Linda, but this week you can call me the Blue Box, because I am the craft Cheese. <laughs> Ow. You know I had to. I, ow. Oh. Oh. Wow. Um, what you got? I quit. That was, <laughs> that was oh, man. Uh, I, I was, mean, how could I not? I, I know, but I just, I didn't realize it was going to be that little of a journey. <laughs> I was like, where is this going? He's like, oh, I don't like the end of this journey. This journey's sad. <laughs> really Sorry. agitated. It's okay. Uh, you can call I me. I am sick, though. <laughs> yes yes you are in more ways than <laughs> my one my scientists have been killing me oh yeah yeah this week i'm just mostly physically sick <laughs> physically ill rather than mentally <laughs> who the well, hell are you <laughs> you can call me jane the volume <laughs> jane the volume volume <laughs> if you don't know what volume is people we're gonna talk are about it at least i'm gonna talk about us all it all out yeah, yeah, I'm going to talk about volume in this episode. Let's put it that way. Oh, boy. Oh, geez. So, yeah, if you haven't gathered, today we are talking about the 1996 movie that uh, was highly influential to uh, us goth kids. Um, you knew us. You loved us. <laughs> it is The Craft. The director was Andrew Fleming, and the writer was Peter Filardi, uh, with input from the director Fleming. Speaking of Flem. <laughs> <laughs> Is this what I'm supposed to cover for you and be like, uh-huh, yep, yep, Fleming. <laughs> hey As you just said, go like, <laughs> hit the Sorry, cough button guys. hit the cough button <laughs> my sinuses have been killing me so um, if i sound sick it's because i'm really fucking sick <laughs> it's not chovid though so yay <laughs> did you say chovid <laughs> i said chovid we call it chovid okay <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> ask carlo okay. I just want to make sure because I'm like, oh my gosh, she's delusional. <laughs> she's making up <laughs> words now. <laughs> Almost. But uh, yeah, so we're talking about the craft. Uh, I remember this came out in um, 1996. So I was, uh, I think I was in high school. Yeah, I was. It was uh, yeah. I was in middle school. I remember this because I think one of my friends saw it before me and I kind of followed along with her whole entire idea of like, oh, let's word about witchcraft. And, you know, because we're misfit outcasts, we weren't quite mm -hmm. goth. We were just outcasts. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that was that spurned a lot of uh, purchasing of pagan and Wiccan books 
during yeah. that time frame for a lot of people. Oh, and also collecting rocks to write runes onto and yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, my uh, friend came up with a great way to make runes, actually. Um, she would get some um, philodome. Philodome? I don't know how you say it. Um, and she would get the cap for a uh, an inhaler and use that as a sort of cookie cutter. And so she would cut those little pieces out and then she would uh, write the runes on them uh, with like um, an exacto knife or some sort of sculpting tool. And then you just bake them and then you got your runestones. Oh, that's, that's actually an interesting way of doing it. I remember like one of my friends, he um, was very adamant about getting them from you know, the earth. So mm-hmm. we had to one day make a field trip down to the creek or something and gather rocks that spoke to us. <laughs> and Ooh. I, I think I, I, I'm being, I feel like maybe I'm being glib about this. Cause for me, this, this kind of started to happen around the same time that I was kind of getting out of the Christian religion. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't want to attend Sunday school or Sunday school or, um, any sort of like communion classes anymore, whatever the Lutheran version uh, of it was. I cannot remember what they're called. <laughs> Me um, too. Yeah. So I was like kind of fading out of it. But at the same time, it was like, well, my friends seem interested in this and why not explore it? But at the same time, it's like, if I'm not going to believe in this, <laughs> why am I going to buy into this? <laughs> and it's yeah. like, eh, you know, like, why not read into it, see what it's about? But I. I don't remember being as like as hardcore into it as some people really got into it, and I, this movie was obviously very influential to it. And um, what a movie it was! I, recall, <laughs> I already was like into um, into uh, Wicca, and um, and some of my friends were like maybe one or two, but um, yeah, this movie came out, and it was just like just <laughs> like. I liked it before it was cool. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you so hipster. I kind of got a little pissy about it, but it was nice seeing, like, you know, our people, like our loner kids, you know, the kids on the fringe uh, be portrayed in a movie. That was nice. Because it, it certainly wasn't clueless, you know, or anything like in uh, that was popular back then. Yeah, so that was nice. But it's not exactly a good positive portrayal. At least at the end of Clueless, mm. like you can, uh, you kind of come to love Cher and all of her misfit yeah. friends and everything. So their version of misfit. Um, well, but I was this also one's... in the same boat as you, like because I, I I had to go to uh, Lutheran preschool uh, every year growing up, and then um, I I went to a, uh, or is a Lutheran, Lutheran summer school, and then I went to Lutheran preschool, I mean, um, but yeah, I was kind of just like, I don't know, back when I was about, I think the year before, I started, like, questioning things, and I started looking into other religions and other religious practices, because I thought, like, there's, there's just too many things uh that weren't explained about christianity a lot of questions i had that weren't explained and so um I, yeah i i i totally did the wicked thing <laughs> and do you want to know i i i probably because my my upbringing like my my mom was raised lutheran my dad was raised catholic mm-hmm. and then pretty much when he left um 
when stuff happened in the family. Um, my dad is no longer Catholic, but my mom kind of tried, but she wasn't hardcore trying and also work schedules kind of prevented her from attending church on a regular basis. So I never really had that hardcore grounding. But there was one th- incident that I remember where it's, I think it kind of really was the turning point for me um, when I had, because, you know, they talk about the Bible and, mm-hmm. you know, man's descended from Adam and Eve, blah, blah, blah. And I remember going to the pastor at the church and asking him as a 12, 13 year old does, um, if Adam and Eve are the original people, then how do we have all these different, you know, races? Like yeah. that was like my question. And this was his response. And this is going to be probably one of the most racist things you will ever hear. And it has to do with the mark of Cain. And I'm just going to leave it at that because I don't want to describe it because it's still like really, really disgusting. (laughs) Like thinking about it. So I was like, oh, this is kind of effed up. (laughs) So because yeah. Jesus was a white dude, right? <laughs> I mean, we didn't even get into that. We bas- he basically explained, you know, the idea oh, of, you know, like Lord. the first murderer got the mark and that explains the different like races and everything. Ooh, I was like, boy. And in my mind I was like, <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> like i couldn't fully like uh, you know because you know i'm 12 13 i couldn't fully express like how that made me feel but at the same time i was like that sounds really off i didn't actually tell my mom about that until like years later Uh, and she was like what (laughs) it's like (laughs) i mean because she had stopped going because again her work schedule the way um kind of prevented her to but she was like shocked so yeah neither of us have been back to any sort of church or religious service for the longest time and i've i mean my personal view is i'm probably would be considered agnostic and I just like to read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's that's yeah. as far as I go with any religion is I'll read about it, but eh, eh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I uh I had the like the big departure um around this time in in my life and I I'm still, you know, I guess I, I guess you could call me atheist, but uh I, I like to read on other cultures and other religions. Um, I have got plenty of books and plenty of, um, you know, I still uh, like to read up on, you know, Wiccan practices and stuff and beliefs. But um, yeah, so uh, enough about me. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, let's talk about this movie, which um, I um, I think that at the same time as you said, like this was, you know, as you know, it was kind of a point of like, oh, like they finally have characters like us at the same time. Now I look back on this, I was like, oh, oh, man, this was, this was not great. Um, I don't know. I, I still enjoyed watching it, but yeah, it did. I did have some problems with it. Um, I, I like the fact that it's not, you know, as opposed to something like, um, like uh um clueless it has characters that at that time i could actually identify with yeah Uh, they were definitely more relatable i understand that the idea mm -hmm. behind clueless was a very particular subsect of a particular area in california whereas yes i can see that this would have a more rounded of what high school experience Mm -hmm. was 
or yeah was yeah not is i mean back in the 90s like we didn't have especially like early 90s we didn't really have those um you know like the young adult movie wasn't really so much a thing at that time and we just we didn't often get those sort of um protagonists uh, and antagonists i guess yeah, because I'm trying to think right now, like, what kind of mm-hmm. movies are we're in. Yeah, the ones I can come up with are, is Clueless, The Craft. Yeah, a lot of the teen movies that we got to see more pop up in the 2000s were almost non-existent in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's, I mean, I, I think that um, some of my issues have to do with, deal with... Um, the events that um the, I, we can probably just get into part of this i am annoyed that um the um rochelle um the, oh, our God, really badass yes. black chick it's like i know where her you're vengeance <laughs> is literally against somebody who calls her the n-word and it's like you know not directly in the movie but you know she's probably said it to her face but she's basically like this dumb she blonde is bitch such is such a weird version of the word too i know it's like i i'm pretty sure that that was like a censored thing like i'm sure originally they wrote that in and then uh, yeah, some censor came know. by and said like eh, 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 eh. it's like nope 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 yeah it's like if you really want a hard r or something which i guess that now has multiple meanings but yeah it's I was like, but it's like her entire vengeance is literally taking vengeance on a bigot who is literally making yeah. her life at this all white Catholic school a nightmare. You know, yeah, like she's supposed like, to be like this really talented diver and she's being harassed the entire time. Like, yes. I don't I don't feel bad for this girl when her punishment comes up. No. I, she just that is probably the bare minimum of what you could possibly do. Because <laughs> it's like, like yeah. I, I, I yeah, I. And I mean, even uh, Nev Campbell's character, Bonnie, it's like everybody's talking shit about her because she has scars on her back, like debilitating, yeah. deformed scars. And it's like, I, how, again, like, it, I understand why they're angry. <laughs> you know, I understand, like, why mm-hmm. they want to take revenge. I mean, even Nancy is, like, sympathetic because her mom's a neglectful alcoholic. And I'm sure that her stepdad mm-hmm. is molesting her because he's. You yeah, know, there's an allusion to that. It's like I gotta say why all three of them mom. are angry. Oh yeah, it's like I. So I think that that's where I started to get frustrated with this because I was like, these guys later on turn into the antagonist, and it's like I get why they're mad. I get from that outcast mindset of high school. I understand, especially in the case of Rochelle, because it's like dealing yeah. with that and nobody supporting you for. It's like holy shit! Like yeah, See, they got off light. Thing. Like, um, and I, and I should say, I should amend my, my earlier statement. We did have one of my favorite movies, uh, in the eighties, Heathers. Oh yeah. That was fucking rad as hell. But, um. The original yeah. Mean Girls. Yes, but yeah. I love Heathers so much. But, uh, <laughs> but with this movie, I, watching it, I was like, at the end, I was thinking, well, wait a minute. When did they turn into bitches? And uh, why do they deserve to, you know, the threefold shit to come back to them? Like, they they are the fucking victims here. And uh, you're right. Like, the, the girl was a fucking racist bitch. And, um, you know, it's not only that, but they show, like, 
uh, at the end, uh, or toward the end, uh, her, the Sarah was saying something like, uh, that Bonnie has turned into a narcissist. And it's like, well, you don't really see that. You just see her finally, like, being... Being able to wearing... embrace sexuality. Yeah, being able to embrace yes. being pretty and, like, actually being attractive and not being so afraid and ashamed of these things which she you know it's like whatever happened to her which they never address it's must have been horrible Mm -hmm. but at the same time then she's constantly tormented probably since she got them all the way till you know she was able to get them removed Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah it's like she just she's trying to she's finally able to embrace a part of her sexuality that she's never been able to because everybody's been making fun of her and mocking her and making her feel like a total piece of shit. And exactly. I mean, I can understand maybe like with Nancy going absolutely effing insane, you know, like I, I have some comments yeah. on that afterwards. Like that's where I'm like, okay, like too far, like too fucking far. Yeah. But like the two other girls, I'm just like, I, I understand, <laughs> you know, it's. Well, and, and that's the thing. Okay. During their, the first, um, ritual of like where uh they they drink of their sisters yeah they um, in their circle they even have like the purest of intentions uh bonnie says she wants to be beautiful on the outside as well as the inside and uh rochelle says that she doesn't want to hate her enemies mm-hmm and i mean what's so wrong with that like where where does the threefold bullshit come in there in fact uh sarah was the one that that um that helped her get revenge on Mm -hmm. on the girl laura with the hair yeah and let's let's talk about sarah's request holy how high school like stereotypical high school can you get like the guy who you go on a date with um, he lies about the fact he lies about um, you know sleeping with you when you didn't, and you still want him, and that's your mm-hmm. desire. I'm like, it's like, oh, and, and again, I, I think I wrote this down at the very beginning. It's like, look, she's a selfish rich girl. Sarah is wealthy. Yeah. Like, regardless of the house, when they come in, the roof is leaking. It's like, yeah, that's still land in Los Angeles. <laughs> this humongous piece of property. Yes, exactly, <laughs> like, it's a humongous piece of property in fucking LA and it seems secluded and for some reason they're gigantic snakes yeah and they can <laughs> and they can afford private catholic private school let's also yes. <laughs> look at that fact like they're all going i mean however nancy got i'm assuming like stepdam probably was like the janitor or something like that's, that's the only reason i can even figure out like she got in there but and when i lived in sakes. southern california we did not have boa constrictors just hanging around trees okay <laughs> let's clear this up <laughs> that is not not well reflective of that was some of kids reality. like pet snake where they're just like oh this thing got too big <laughs> and they just let it go <laughs> so, I mean, sally that's what happens <laughs> it's like that has happened before with people who don't understand what a boa constrictor can get to the size of but still it's like uh <laughs> Yeah, and when so she makes the most like they used oh, yeah. all real snakes except for obviously that that CGI part where um Nancy's fingers turn into snakes. Well, yeah, it's but they're yeah. all real snakes besides that. Yeah, um, well, yeah, because snake like, fingers aren't real. 
Well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> One with hope. Uh, but yeah, like in the in the scenes uh, toward the end with the um, with all the snakes and the bugs, those are all real. Huh. Yeah. So it, it I'd be worried that because, I would um, actually step on them. Like that would, and I, know, I just feel right? bad. I'd be That's like, just see GID snakes in, because I would feel really bad if I stepped on one <laughs> for a I number know. of reasons. <laughs> and the mice is going to be like, you know, you guys are living creatures, and you're not in a movie, and you don't know what's going on. I got <laughs> somebody so just dropped worried about the-, the rats in the scene where she's like brushing them off of her. I was just like, <laughs> oh no, poor radicles. <laughs> <laughs> poor little radicals uh, but um yeah i was actually worried for them but uh back then cgi was really expensive and hard to come by so it well, was really just s- to save money you can kind of see where some of the special effects um were limited Ooh, when you've got nancy special- walking on water <laughs> yeah and when you have that scene that's like obviously special effects uh cgi where she's uh, first using the glamour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The blonde hair, hair on color. top. And... Yeah. yeah. That was... Oh, God. That did not age well. No, no, it did <laughs> not. Any of those times it didn't age well. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. Because it's like uh, you go to any of the other girls in the scene and it's like normal 1996 film, normal 1996 film. And get ready for CGI. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't quite perfected it, but you're going to deal with it. It might look yeah. realistic enough for the 90s, but... It was terrible. 2020, oh, God, not so terrible. much. <laughs> and it, funny enough, um, the like I don't get why they had to do the obvious CGI part with her hair a different color, because she was wearing a wig in the first place. <laughs> like, they could have just put a different fucking color wig on her, and like, you know, I mean, obviously they need the CGI part where she's waving her hand over her her hair. But it's pretty quick. Like, and then a wig. Yeah, and the parts where she's not, just wear the fucking wig. Like, I don't, uh, I don't get it. But right before this, uh, she had filmed uh, Empire Records, which really makes me want to go back and watch that. I loved that, too. Um, and she had shaved her head for Empire Records, so... Um, they, I guess by this time she had a pixie cut and the producers didn't like it. So they made her wear a, a fucking wig throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good movie yeah. too. I, actually, I mean, maybe it I'm really going to go back, watch Empire Great Records soundtrack. and be like, holy. <laughs> yes. Well, good soundtrack. Great soundtrack. And kids, yeah, if I you don't know what Empire Records too. is on its own, I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry to Empire Records also. <laughs> we had Empire Records in the craft. <laughs> and others. And we were grateful. <laughs> and we had Tower Records. And we had, I'm just like, oh like, my oh, God, yes, yeah. Tower Records. Trying to remember all of the music stores that we had. Yeah, okay, oh, they're gone yeah. now. It's no use dwelling over that one. Yeah, uh, we had Warehouse too. Yeah. Oh, can I, speaking of um other, so one one thing that I was thinking about when um Bonnie gets her treatment and um you know she's cured mm-hmm. and everything and the witchcraft powers that cure it, there was a part of me that was sort of like, 
Oh, they are seriously like setting back medical science because of this. Right? <laughs> the doctor's saying they're thinking like, oh, the treatment worked. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, the poor people in the future having to deal with this shit. <laughs> yeah. And the doctor is like, holy shit. <laughs> it's like, my medicine is genius. <laughs> But the way the doctor says it, she said something like, it actually worked. Like, you were expecting it not to? (laughs) Well, she did say it was highly experimental. So, (laughs) you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, and also when uh, Nancy. The whole thing is. uh Oh, yeah. I was going to say when Nancy, like, finally gets her wish and, like, um, her stepdad dies and leaves uh, money to them. At, tell me, Linda, for someone who has lived in Los Angeles, how far can $175,000 get you? <laughs> I well, saw that. I'm like, oh, man. that gets that, you a high-rise apartment. <laughs> and a jukebox. <laughs> and a jukebox. And, and the, a couch. nice couch. And a nice car, because Nancy's finally driving a like a red oh, convertible. Yes. But for some reason, her mother can't buy her a bed frame. Like, she still has a mattress yeah, on the floor right. of her bedroom. I was like, God damn, woman, to buy your daughter a goddamn bed frame. <laughs> but see, like, okay, so I can see, because um, Nancy asked for power. She yeah. wanted the power of Manon. Yeah. And um, she, I can understand that power corrupting her and her getting a little crazy from the power, but I don't see like i just feel like there's a huge part that was just left out where rochelle and bonnie become bitches like they were fine they had they had good intentions and they seemed totally fine um at the 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 scene where um where uh uh nancy wants to go to the party and fuck with um with the boy uh, the love interest. Yeah. yeah. She, uh, both the, the girls are like, <laughs> Potential oh rapist. yeah, we need to, um, yeah. Skeet Ulrich though. Fuck. Yep. Skeet like, Ulrich. Where's he gone? I um, know exactly where he's gone, but yes. To scream with Nev Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so like, they're, they're both like, oh yeah, no, this is bad. We need to stop Nancy. Um, this is getting dangerous. But then all of a sudden they're like, now let's fuck with Sarah and let's kill Sarah. Okay. And then at the end of it, when they have no powers, they're like, nah, fuck this bitch. She doesn't have powers anyway. And I'm thinking, wait, when did they turn into bitches? Like they just don't show that progression. I know it's that their, their character jump, I think was what kind of annoyed me the most, which is why I'm, as I say, like yeah. I have an opinion and it's mainly their two character progressions, you know, it's, and even Sarah says like, like Bonnie used to be sweet. I'm like, yeah, no, seriously. You were like sweet, like about 10 seconds ago. What the fuck happened? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what happened in those 10 seconds, Bonnie? <laughs> I'm not yeah, talking about 10 seconds the of the movie. I'm literally talking like 10 seconds between I got out of the car. I got back into the car. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly I'm a bitch. And then, like they they show like uh um so Sarah's character uh is she invokes Manon and uh she decides to uh stop uh Bonnie and Rochelle from killing her by showing themselves in the mirror. Um she makes it appear to them that they're getting what they sent out threefold, which 
you know, makes sense. It's the laws. Uh, it's the law of, um, you know, everything comes back threefold. But I was thinking, bitch, you're the one who did it. You are the yes. one that that cursed Laura. Like, what is? And then not only that, but like um, Bonnie's character asked to be beautiful on the inside as well as the outside. So shouldn't she? I don't see how that comes back negative. I just yeah. don't. And then, like, they both had the pure intentions. And if anything, well, I don't see how the fuck it was ruined for Bonnie, how it was negative. Um, and for uh, for Rochelle, Sarah's character is the one who got evil about it. Well, and Rochelle, even at some point, remember when she finds uh, um, the Laura um, yeah. in the shower just, like, crying? You see that sense where she actually feels kind of bad. Like, And then she sees her at the party, and it's the same thing. But then all of a sudden, she's a bitch. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's... Yeah, <laughs> I really feel like they they did their characters wrong. Yeah. I mean, the, the writer. Um, but... Yeah. You know, yeah. rush storytelling my biggest pet peeve is rush storytelling it's like i don't care if that's how it ends but mm -hmm. if you don't earn the progression then i get pissed <laughs> so yeah it would be a different story if at the end um the girls were like came to sarah and said something like i'm sorry i don't know what happened and like i think that she said uh she she put a uh, a spell on us because that's not us or something, you know, if they would have, or we got caught up in something, something or we were worried yes. or, you know, or Nancy like threatened to kill us or kill our family. And, you know, like exactly. something that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Or like have them be bitches from the get go. Yeah, exactly. And, but don't like show them being like, especially Rochelle's character being sympathetic toward Laura and, you know, who she never did anything to Laura and being the biggest argument for this, uh, don't show her being sympathetic toward her. And then all of a sudden she's a bitch and she wants to to kill and torment Sarah. Like, it, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, I. Yeah, that's again, that's where I mean, there are other things that were now more minor than that. But yeah, that's that was yeah. the one that I was like, I don't. I don't understand like how it because like I don't remember like you know it's been a while since I watched this and that was the one that did shock me the most again was that character progression was so like there was none <laughs> I was like how did how did I miss yes. this when I was younger <laughs> I was like well probably just didn't care and I just assumed that they were all yeah. going to be bad anyways that and... was exactly it we didn't have high standards but <laughs> <laughs> The producer Doug Wick um, said that he had set out to. Um, help make a, a movie about female empowerment. Uh, he said, quote, I've always been very interested in fe female empowerment. And my first movie was Working Girl. I was sort of thinking about teenage girls and how suddenly they come into this enormous power of their sexuality and how to maybe make a movie about that. I was very aware that witchcraft, uh, witchcraft is an age old metaphor for talking about female empowerment and the sort of mysteries of women and their connection to nature in terms of reproductive reproductivity excuse me and then peter filardi the screenwriter said quote at at the time i was immersed in the world of teen satanism and that volatile cocktail of hallucinogens metal and magic 
I knew a lot about how magic worked and where it came from. I had become fascinated by Ricky Casso, a pioneer in teen Satanism. And then I started thinking like, uh, end quote, I started thinking like, maybe that's what we should have called the the podcast hallucinogens metal and magic (laughs) we really can't go back now (laughs) we would have gotten some really interesting downloads the first time around (laughs) from some people who would be like what the fuck is this (laughs) why are they talking about angela lansbury in the first episode (laughs) what is happening We take some hallucinogens, we watch a movie about magic, (laughs) or read a book about it, while listening to some metal. (laughs) And to be honest, I listen to a lot of metal anyway. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Me too. It's like, yeah. Again, we would have gotten an interesting crowd at the very beginning. We would be like, hey, we don't, we don't understand how this relates. (laughs) I see we're halfway there. (laughs) But apparently uh, the screenwriter Filardi um, and the producer Doug, um, they talked for uh, hours about magic mushrooms and ecstasy. And uh, he said, quote, I remember telling him that magic is historically a weapon of the underclass. It was originally practiced by people of the heath or heathens, poor people without the power of a king, army or church behind them. Our characters could not be popular, beautiful overlords at their school. For real magic to work, they would have to be outsiders with more than desires. Real magic requires need. Doug agreed. He had young daughters at the time. He was a great collaborator and advocate for the project. So there you have it. Um, When they were discussing uh, mushrooms and ecstasy, were they also talking about like volume and Paxil? Because... (laughs) That was, I think this was the part where I started to get really effing bored was anytime Sarah was on. I think I yes. have like about three different lines where I'm just like, who adjusted her goddamn meds? Because, right? Holy, it was like, it, I don't know if I can make it perfect, like not perfect, but like trying to portray the her yes. way of speaking versus everybody else. It was like, I don't understand. Why are you doing this? Yes. This is hurting me. It's like, it's like, like even when she had to like express crying, it was like, this is really sad. Yes. Like, I'm like, and I seriously, like, like really somebody. Sorry to say it, but she's not meant to carry a movie. Oh, she's yeah. just not. Which is funny because apparently they they also considered Alicia Silverstone, uh, Angelina Jolie, and even Scarlett Johansson, who was only twelve at the time. But uh, but she had actually, Robin Tunney, I guess, um, I think she knew the director and he called her out to uh, to read for it, to help them with the reading. And she wanted to be Bonnie. But uh, that would have made sense. The, that the producers actually... all said that, no, that she's uh, got a star quality or some shit. And they uh, they asked her, even though she wanted the smaller part they asked her to play Sarah and I don't honestly, I don't get it. And, and I hate Nev to Campbell her. would have been a really good Sarah actually. If you replace the two, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Like, Cause I, like, I'm thinking of like better. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking of other movies. Nev Campbell has been, and I'm just like, yeah, that's, she was actually good in those. And I think she could have carried this just fine. And yeah, I, yeah, I just, 
Well, and after this, she was with <clears throat> Skeet Ulrich in, uh, in Scream. Yeah. And she, it obviously did really well. Yeah. So but, it's, um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> carry a movie, Robin Tunney. I, I hate to say it, but, um, I, I just don't think that like she's an okay actress, but like as you're saying, she just doesn't have the she doesn't have any fucking energy and she's just so one note throughout the whole thing. And yeah, it, like I don't remember her performance in Empire Records, but uh, I remember it, in like I remember liking it, but I mean her I mean cuz her performance in Empire Records was um you know, also a suicidal teen um yeah. who her friends try to help her you know, get back from, you know, have, you know, try to help her deal. I can't remember exactly what exactly it was that caused her to have these feelings and, you know, like going through like whatever the issues were. But I remember like that was her role and she was very moody and, you know, standoffish was how I remember her. Again, I'd have to go back and watch the movie in comparison to like Liv Tyler's um, character and uh, Renee Zellweger. She played the... Yeah, blonde, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm not like. Liv, I'm going like. Yeah. Who oh, was who again? Yeah. I think it was Renee Selberger. Yeah. But um. Doesn't matter. That's not the movie I, we're talking about, and probably never I will outside like of this, this context. Um. I I likened her while I was watching it. I I likened her to uh, the '90s Kristen Stewart. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> like really, it's like it's like Twilight, where you're like um. Uh, well, why are you trying to kill me? Um, yeah. You know, um. it's, it's very like, it's like, please help me. I don't know how to stop them. And I'm really scared. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which, by the way, that shop owner, she is very lax on her theft policies. She's like, right? you're not going to steal like those other girls. I'm like, why are you letting them in then if you know they're stealing shit? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you're a very bad shop owner. <laughs> Your but insurance I'm, is amazing, is all I'm going to say. <laughs> this is okay with you. I'm sure that you are ecstatic to hear that Robin Tunney is also, in 2018, she starred alongside Nicolas Cage <laughs> in Punching a Wall. Glass. <laughs> oh, oh, Linda, I'm so glad you brought that up because I had a little note to myself. Just in case you brought that up. Because <laughs> you want to know what Skeet Ulrich is doing now? Is he? Oh, he's in fucking Riverdale, isn't he? He is Jughead Jones' yes. father, F.P. Jones, in Riverdale. And doing an amazing job, by the way. I think he has done an amazing <laughs> character shift from being a hardcore drug-dealing badass to being the sheriff. So, yes. I saved this just in case, and I was only going to mention it if you brought up Nick Cage. In fact, that's a note in my notes as I only bring this up if she mentions Nick Cage. Because <laughs> I didn't recognize him when he was Chris. I was like, oh, that guy kind of looks familiar. Like, I probably well, saw him in something. I was like, oh, it's that. Hair. And he just looks way different. Yeah, I think that my first recollection of it was probably uh, Scream. I was about to say Scary Movie. I was like, no, no, that that's the parody of Scream. <laughs> <laughs> I do love Scary Movie. <laughs> but yeah, so, so I had I was like, I'm like, oh, he looks kind of familiar. Then I had to go down a Skeet Ulrich like rabbit hole, going like, was he in like 
like what made him pop out in the 90s i was like was he in 90210 or something i was like no he was just in scream and in the craft and everything and he was kind of the heartthrob at the time i was like oh because i figured like maybe yeah. it was on, like one of those long-running tv shows um for like teens and stuff I was like nope not really no he was just he was kind of I think with this movie and Scream, he just kind of became one of the heartthrobs in the 90s, late 90s. But then he just kind of went away. And, you know, if you look at his IMDb page, he did plenty of things since then, but just nothing really big since then. No, and it's it's weird. Except for as good as it gets. Oh, oh, yes. But even then, he wasn't like a major character. No, and he's, yeah, even in um, Riverdale, he's still, like, supporting, even though I like his mm-hmm. character a lot in that show. Yes, hi, everybody. I watch Riverdale. It is the most um, soap opery of ridiculous soap operas you could possibly watch. If it's on CW, Jane probably watches. <laughs> Almost. There's some where I'm just like, nope, I ain't watching this. This is boring as hell. <laughs> I can't give you too much shit about that, though, because I love Gilmore Girls, so, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I really can't give you shit about that. No, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so apparently uh, Rachel True's character, Rochelle, was supposed to be um, a white chick and she was supposed to be bulimic. But um, they they gave her a chance and she ended up being the first person um, cast and um she was given the the part of Rochelle but um she said that uh quote I think that having the racial component in that movie added a really great layer that just wasn't there in most teen movies a lot of times the roles I played I literally say the words are you okay so this time I got to play a character who actually had something going on (laughs) Yes, quote. and she was honestly the highlight of that whole movie for me. I was like, I like her. I she want to follow is. her around more. Yes, I mean, like she, I, there's I, something about her where, like, I feel like she would have been great as Sarah too because she she can carry a fucking movie. Oh yeah, she has like I, so much presence and like there's just something about her this like star quality, I guess. But it does make time, me wonder. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, oh, no, that's okay. I was just going to say at the time of uh, filming, she was almost 30 years old. She was the oldest uh, of the girls uh, in the, the four major uh, uh, actors. I was saying, she was 30. Holy shit. I really I know, actually right? didn't think she was a teenager, or at least I, 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 I assumed it because they do cast bit. teenagers. <laughs> I mean, think she's 20s, but still. Holy yeah. shit. Uh, so she's actually in her 50s now, and I still kind of hate her because she's fucking gorgeous. Oh, yes. I've looked at pictures of her as well. I was just like, wow. Yeah, <laughs> Although, she I'm is curious. I'm curious now, because you bring up the bulimia thing. I wonder then how they would have spun that if they had cast a white chick who was bulimic. Like, what yeah, would have been her? I have no idea. Like, who would have been her taunter, and what would they have been saying? Because already you have the um, the character of Bonnie who is concerned with her appearance yeah so that that does get you know weird but um i mean we'll we'll definitely go into rochelle uh later um and well rachel true but um they said that uh i guess the next person hired was feruza balk who um we won't be focusing on her today because 
we're definitely going to focus on her in the future because she is also in uh, one of the first things she was in, uh, Return to Oz. I was wondering if you were going to mention that because I just learned that a couple uh, days ago and I was like, really? Oh, really? Okay. Did you see it? I saw it. I don't really like I I must have seen it when I was really young because it came out a year after I was born. So at some point, probably my mom put it on. But I honestly, I remember like the ending scene where she's touching all the objects and saying Oz. I remember all the Mm -hmm. stone statues, but I must have seen it when I was so young because like my my memory of it's very was Yeah, very limited. (laughs) I used to love it when I was a kid, but it it did give me nightmares, but I still freaking loved it. It's, oh God, it's amazing. And so is she. Uh, She's been in a lot of things and she's just been an amazing actress like since day one. Uh, We're going to be covering her in a couple different things, it looks like. Yeah, she was in Waterboy. Everybody loves that. Now she's uh, also in The Worst Witch. (gasps) Oh! I did not know that. Yes, I'm looking at her um, Wikipedia page right now because ah! I was like curious about that. I was going like, there's something else in there, I remember. It's like, oh, uh, no there it was. <laughs> so there oh you go. We God. will do a big thing on How her did I later. Not know that? Yep. She oh, was uh, Mildred Hubble. I love her so much. <clears throat> oh my God. Ugh, I just love her so much. Um, and she's, she's amazing. And uh, all the people involved with it basically said the same thing that she's a, an actor's actor and that she's just she's been you know a, a strong actor forever um but uh they i guess a lot of people there said that she was a practicing pagan but um but she she kind of insinuates that that wasn't the case uh either way she was very very knowledgeable on the subject and um Anyway, uh, uh, Fleming said, uh, I just had coffee with her and thought, who else in the world could possibly play that part? She was a part of a big screen test, but she'd done uh, gas food lodging and everybody knew she was good. And uh, everybody on there pretty much just just seemed to love her. And uh, anyway, even though she did know um, a lot about the um, about uh you know the uh pagan being pagan and uh wiccan sorry i am <laughs> like, okay keep probably to try to get my brain to work <clears throat> um she still wanted to do some research for her character and uh for the research she went to the oldest wiccan supply store in the u.s uh pan pipes magical marketplace and she loved it so much she ended up buying it oh huh. yeah that was pretty cool but uh, I, I believe she um, she she got some partners in the business later and ended up uh, uh, selling it off to them. And so uh, I don't think she's um, she's uh, involved with it now. But um, I mean, anyway, <laughs> I was just say, hey, I mean, that's that is actually really interesting. And the, you know, taking steps outside of, you know, acting and doing other things of interest, that's actually that's a good yeah. thing. I mean, it's yeah, it's good definitely. to explore other areas, <laughs> even when yeah. even in any job, it's good to explore other areas. Hi, we're podcasters. <laughs> we also yeah, have day right. jobs. <laughs> oh, but I can't forget that she was also in oh, the shit show that is uh, the Island of Doctor Moreau. 
Yes, I did see that credit. I'm like, I'm just going to ignore this right now. <laughs> but did you ever see? You the, bring it up, uh, I'm going to let you. About it. I'm trying to remember what the the name of the documentary is, but there's a documentary about it and just all the insanity that went on and like with it has um it talks about Richard Stanley, who's an interesting character all in himself, and we're going to be talking about him more uh, in Cage's Kiss, obviously, because uh, he directed uh, Color Out of Space. But uh, they also talk about um, just, I don't know, just some like weird shit from the the cast and the crew. But we'll probably get into that at some point later. Um, But yeah, it was it was an interesting experience, let's say. Um, So anyway, I need to talk about the weird shit that happened in the ritual when they... uh, when they were filming the ritual to invoke the spirit of Anon. Yeah, this is the uh, one on the beach. A lot of weird crap happened. Yeah, yeah, on the beach. Yeah. Uh, so even though the the park ranger assured them that the tide would not be high, uh, it kept coming up. I noticed that would... in the film. I was like, guys, yeah. you should have moved up the beach. Just yeah. a smidgen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Your right. circle's about to be broken by the water. <laughs> Well, and it was continuously like it, it kept putting out the candles at one point. It like it even put out the fire that they set up and washed away all the stuff. But um, yeah, after uh, after Bulk said the line uh, asking for Manon to fill her where she excuse me, Manon uh, to fill her when she's supposed to be hit by the lightning bolt, all the crew's power just went out unexplicably (laughs) suddenly is that when all the sharks beach themselves also (laughs) right i have to admit that after that scene it's like you killed a bunch of sharks you bitches (laughs) (laughs) you assholes thinking shouldn't you be appalled (laughs) it's like this is a gift i'm like dead sharks what the fuck (laughs) kind of gift is that what are you gonna do manal is not a good gift giver (laughs) Manon sucks, unless, Sorry, of course, I like they're saying, we're like, well, to be fair, you can make about X amount of money with this um, for this fin and stuff in the meat on the black market. It's like, <laughs> if that's the gift, still an asshole gift. Okay. It's I'm like, sorry. Um, thanks, Manon, but can I maybe have like a nice sweater or something? <laughs> <laughs> like, like kittens? Alive yeah, live, kittens, live kittens. I, you said kittens. I'm like, alive, alive kittens. Happy alive alive kittens. kittens. Um, maybe the butterfly puppies. thing was kind of cool. You know, you bring living butterflies again. <laughs> Not dead sharks, maybe? A basket Please. full of puppies? I mean, I, I'm just going off. I'm going with a couple of ideas. Um, Let's see here. Yeah. You know, ladybugs are, are cool. I don't, I don't, I just don't want dead sharks. <laughs> money that I can keep in a personal account that my alcoholic mom can't touch right. because she's clearly going to spend it on more jukeboxes. <laughs> One of those old Garfield phones that are like washing up on shore in France. Um, <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> but uh, besides that, uh, they also... Um, uh, uh, Fleming said that one time we started to film outside because the forecast was good only to be caught in a massive deluge. And uh, also once a flock of crows just flew in out of nowhere. <laughs> don't make this movie. Caca, don't make the movie. Caca. <laughs> Caca. 
<laughs> Wick said, "Establish uh, Ra- Rochelle's character." <laughs> <laughs> Whether they had really summoned Manon or we got lucky with a few power outages, I'll never know. But I think I know because they made Manon up. He's like fictional, so because <laughs> they didn't want to offend anybody, you know, with like anybody's uh, by religion, using any of their gods. Yeah. So uh, they created the character of Manon. So um, I'm pretty sure that they didn't summon Manon. Um, and Rachel True said, quote, there was definitely weird energy around and we were followed around by a white owl to several different locations. So there's that. A lot of weird shit. So. It's Jareth from Labyrinth. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Oh, Jane will really appreciate this. <laughs> yes, I did. I was like, <gasps> if I were lucky enough to be followed by a white owl, I would be like, David Bowie, I love you. Oh, I don't think I ever mentioned this. I was out running at night and there was a huge effing owl um, that flew like that I thought was like a fake one because um, sometimes people will put like mm-hmm. fake owls up on top to keep other birds away. And I ran like, so close to it and then it took off and I was like holy shit that thing is real those things are goddamn huge I don't know it was dark so I couldn't see like what kind it was but yeah it was uh, hanging out in the area where the construction's happening by the mall and I was like yeah of course it's out there because there's like so many creatures out there right now but I was like holy shit that shocked me I love it I love crows so I love seeing all the crows flock over there but um yeah, <laughs> you're like, does this please you, David Bowie? <laughs> <laughs> Do I remind you of the babe? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, um, Filardi at one point said that uh, the the characters, the girls, are it, were inspired and empowered by goddess archetypes and earth elements. So he said, uh, Sarah is earth. Bonnie, with the power of foresight, is wind. Rochelle, the diver, is water. Nancy, of course, is fire. She's fire. Mm-hmm. I don't see um, how Bonnie had foresight. Yeah. They didn't really show that. Yeah. Speaking of underestablished ideas. <laughs> <laughs> but, we're, um, we're kind of on a string of unestablished or underestablished characters <laughs> in our last two. Or under established <laughs> plots. Yeah. And if we could talk about the the character of Chris, oh, who God. loves her so much. And he's so infatuated in love that he tries to With rape Sarah. her. Yes. No, I, I, I think during that scene when he draws, I mean, and it's really strange because I feel in a weird way because he's a douche. Like, let's get let's be fair. He basically mm-hmm. lies that Sarah slept with um, him and then convinces the entire school that she did. And of course, then for some reason, Sarah still wants him, which I was like, dude, d- not a good guy. Yeah. And then like, he I even understand seems- being a you know weird teenager and you know being you know oh but i love him and stuff like that but like she has no reason to be infatuated with this guy yeah it was like one day two days she knew him and you know yeah. then he turned into a total dick and or you know revealed himself his dickish ways and and but she still wants him it's just like aim higher <laughs> please <laughs> you know, i know you're a teenager right? and stuff happens but 
aim higher. <laughs> Hell, even the uh, Breck and Meyer character would have been better. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> just, so, just not this douchebag. Like, Breck and Meyer is a very interesting person in real life. I've heard a couple of interviews with him, and he's like one of the most down to earth guys on the face of the earth. Also, oh, yeah. a really good friend with um, Brittany Murphy. And that's. Yeah. Yeah, the way he talks about her, it's, it's really sweet, but also like. Kind of, it's obviously clear that he misses his friend um but anyways yeah, yeah that it's... whole thing is is weird uh i mean the story behind her death yeah mystery yeah that's i mean we're not not related so i guess we don't really touch on yeah. that but yeah it was just it was just sad and you know their relationship was you know their lack of relationship because i mean he even says in an interview that she was like a sister like during the filming of Aww. clueless when they had to like pretend to be a couple he felt so mm. weird like when he kisses her he kisses her on the forehead at the end of the movie he's like yeah that was because they wanted me to kiss her and it felt weird so i kissed her on the forehead and they kept it in that was an interview from um podcast another podcast i was listening to i was like oh that's really sweet <laughs> anyway so we're gonna talk about chris and his weird rapey well okay i let, let, i want to actually get to this point so when they do put a spell on him i do mm. in a weird way kind of start to feel bad because if you think about like when she said you know i don't want to come back to your place take me home he obviously is a dick because he lies about sleeping with her the next day, but he doesn't actually attempt to rape her. He takes her home to which I was like, well, that's actually yeah. like he didn't force himself on her. And then, of course, when he's under her spell and he even says out loud, he's like, I don't understand why I feel this way. You're like, oh, there's eat, a part of sleep. Yeah, it's like, oh, and this was then he gets super rapey, which is like, oh, yeah, this is. And I even wrote down yeah. like Sarah. He's either going to rape you, murder you, or both. Get the fuck out of that car right yeah. now. Because this is not a normal conversation. Like, you're trying to have a conversation where you're expressing your feelings. And he's just like, I totally feel the same way. It's like, uh-huh. You, you're you in a desert area. Get the fuck out. Yeah. And then, of course, Nancy gets rapey. Exactly. Like, Nancy turns herself into Sarah later when she yes. goes to that party. And... And it's like, yeah, she's that is assault by <laughs> that is assault right there. Like she pretends to be somebody else and is that's lying about rape. who she is. It's like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's rape. But then she acts like like she's doing it to get back at him. And she's like, now, uh, now, you know how it feels to be be raped. But then at the same time, it really seems that she's still got a thing for him. Yeah, no, that's kind of, that's how, um, yeah, uh, yeah, because she even says, like, oh, we had, like, fun together and all this other stuff, and he's drunk off his ass, and, mm -hmm. you know, Minnie sees an image of Sarah, it's like, oh, there you are. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. Again, he's yeah, under a spell thinking that Sarah is the person he wants to be with forever, which... <laughs> When he breaks into the backyard and like he's sitting on the bench going like Sarah, Sarah, and I'm like, where's her dad and all this? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. dad with a baseball bat. <laughs> Which, by and the way, I the most her dad does come. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's, he does come. And by the way, like that first night, like um, when she hangs out with the three girls and that homeless mm -hmm. guy gets hit by a car, I, I was saying like, like she because her dad says like, oh hey, you know, um, Jenny can her stepmom can pick you up afterwards it's like this is the time before cell phones 
has she called her dad? Because this is the most <laughs> lax dad on the face of the earth for somebody who had a daughter who tried to literally kill herself by slitting right? her wrist. The yeah. quote unquote, the correct way, as they pointed out in the movie. Yes. Like, I would be paranoid and petrified as a parent to be like, okay, I want you to have freedoms, but you're checking in with me. And I know we don't have cell phones, so you're still checking in with me. You have a pager now. Yes. Obviously, I could afford this fucking house. This mansion in LA. Still needs a new roof, but yes, you could afford this fucking house. Yeah. Anytime like Sarah started to come on the screen, I started to ask questions about her. Like, um, like, because they mentioned that like her mom died giving birth to her, which is sad. But it was like, yeah. I, I, the the woman at the shop, she's like, your mother's a wit was a witch, don't you know them? Like, well, she died giving birth to her. I don't think that her yeah. dad sits there with a book and says, "By your the way, these so are all rich. your mother's secret spells." <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then I started have, going, like, like, made it more interesting. Like the the stepmother killed her or something. <laughs> I know, and I even started to ask questions about the stepmother. I was like, "Is does she have a good relationship?" Like, I was starting to like psychoanalyze her, and where I was like, "I wonder if she has a good relationship with her stepmother." Like, is this one of those marriages where like it happened like years later, like ten, twelve years later? (laughs) So like she's been raised by her dad most times, so she calls her Jenny because I'm thinking like if this marriage Mm -hmm. like happened maybe like when she was like three, usually at that point that's the only mother you've known. So unless like Jenny's really particular about being called Jenny. You know, it's yeah. so like with my adoption. Like my mom is the person who raised me. That's my mom. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. that I have a biological mom, you know, someplace else. So I'm like, like I wonder when this. Like I started to just ask questions. I was so <laughs> bored with Sarah's character. I was like, I want to know more about her family. Like, what's going on with this family that is okay and with I leaving? Want to know more about that creepy guy with the the snake who's like, oh, well, I he- had a dream and you were dead. I know, and then he gets hit by a car, and it doesn't matter. Yes, yeah, and it's like, okay, well, what was the point behind that character? I I just wrote down, like, well, and there was a manic episode occurring there, and now it's over, so I don't know what to do with this character right now, so. (laughs) Yeah, because it just, yeah, and I did, yeah, he made no sense except to set a mood, I guess. I don't know. I guess. I guess just to to say that like oh she's a witch she's got powers or something and so much so that this guy's having uh prophetic dreams about it yeah but, but the shopkeep kind of spells a... that out later you know and she even yes. spells out to herself when she's a, like sometimes like i want it to rain and a pipe burst and everything's like clearly she has powers so i don't and think anybody really her, needs like to levitating a fucking pencil and like grinding it into her desk yeah so it's which you know w- you would do <laughs> yeah i i i don't yeah his character made no sense except to i guess they thought set a mood and then i don't know like a part of me was like going like did the actor's contract like run out or something or could they only have him for like two days and they're just like well let's just kill him because we need to find something to do with him or i don't know they actually <laughs> had uh in their contracts uh for at least the four main actresses they all um had a clause in their contract that they would come back for a sequel. Oh. But obviously that never happened. And they are still hoping, uh, like holding out hope for a reboot, which um, okay. I have to say, but they could use it. But yeah, um, this is, this is one of those movies uh-huh. where like a reboot would be fine. It wasn't a, it wasn't an amazing movie to begin with. Like there's always Mm-mm. some movies out there where it's like, this would do well with a reboot. Like it, it had a great yeah. idea, 
but not as well executed as it could be. And if you could reboot this and execute it, um, you know, well, better. <laughs> yeah, and you could have uh, Fruza Balk back as like one of the mothers. Oh yeah, you could. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you could have all of them back. I mean, even Rachel True, even though she's not. I don't know if she wants to do acting anymore. So and she give, might enjoy um, what she's doing right now. <laughs> give uh, uh, Robin Tunney maybe some Adderall or something. <laughs> seriously, I, 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 I seriously wrote like three or four things down where I was like, somebody please adjust her meds because I don't know what's wrong with her and I'm scared and I'm worried for her. <laughs> Have her daughter played by Kristen Stewart. There you go. <laughs> oh, go to your the room, Linda. Go to your room, Linda. <laughs> Linda, no. No, for that response, go to your room. No. <laughs> Linda did a bad. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, I, I'm, I'm sure Robin Tunney is the same, but Kristen Stewart's actually a great actress when she's in the right role. But yes, you just it's can't... one role. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> well, she was in um, uh, Runaways and she did an excellent job with that. Yeah, one oh. roll. <laughs> <laughs> when we talk about Snow White and the Huntsman, oh, I'm going to get letters, <laughs> but I have opinions. Jane has opinions. <laughs> I <laughs> await your hate. <laughs> I grew up on the internet. I am okay. <laughs> I can so take it. Did I. I come from the, the land of prodigy. <laughs> and AOL chat rooms. I was a female gamer on WoW. <laughs> yes. Yes, so was I. Yes. We all got those responses. Oh, God, yes. Um, but back to the movie uh yes <laughs> they actually hired pat devon to be the um the uh, consultant in the film and uh she was also uh known as the high priestess of covenant of the goddess so um they really wanted to go for authenticity for this which and i feel like that that really shows through the movie the only thing that doesn't show is character development sadly yes yeah um and really quickly i should mention that you know they they tried really hard to uh to get a, a good rating but the mpa being what it is which is a sack assholes. of shit yes, yes. <laughs> like by the way if anybody was assholes a Yes, if anybody ever wants a really good movie to watch, watch the documentary this film is not yet yes. rated about the MPAA. It's it will make you very angry about how movies are rated and Extremely also Extremely angry because there's no there's there're no rules, there're no guidelines. It's just random And people. it negatively affects independent filmmakers. Independent well, filmmakers get the shaft because of them. So, mm -hmm. yes. And, this is why uh, we don't see new shit. One exactly. of the reasons, but still. One of the many reasons, but still. They're they're part of it. And though they tried really, really hard, they they did all they were supposed to do. This film was still uh it still received an R rating, which um, you know, as Wick says, today in today's terms, that would be like a G rating. And uh 
he was he thinks that it's because of uh, all this the um, content about teen suicide. I would um, assume it was actually more the religious side of Satan worship and witchcraft. I was thinking that. I, yeah, I mean, you yeah. could say the suicide thing, but I, I, I don't think that bothered them as much as the which I, I, I take the um, anti anything um, that's not Christian uh, when it comes to the MPAA. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that that's the reason why. So. Well, yeah. and Wick said, quote, very little ground has been broken in terms of the more realistic exploration of teen agony. I think the rating people at the time were probably old white guys. Probably accurate. Uh, those things just seem kind of dangerous to them. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a funny way, or in a funny way, is almost part of the story. This sort of not understanding was why they burned witches in the first place, because they didn't understand the mysteries of young women. And I thought that was pretty well put um, because, you know, like, I mean, we could go on and on for like about how much we fucking hate (laughs) the MPAA because they they don't have any like rules, regulations or uh, even like I don't even think they get training. It's just it's just a group of people who decide what should get what rating and they don't have to tell you why. And it's, it's very um, subjective. It's not like they very. say, okay, if you have, if you show this much or if you do this much, it mm-hmm. gets, because if you think about it, when you watch this movie, it's like, they don't say a lot of, um, you know, swear words. Curse words and, or anything, yeah. Yeah, they don't say, they don't have any nudity. They don't have any sex scenes at all. Like you mm-hmm. have like a, a potential, yeah, maybe, but yeah implied maybe but they're still fully closed i mean it's like mm-hmm. there's dry humping at best let's <laughs> you know i like, don't even think there was any kissing in it no there was remember uh nancy oh, kisses yeah, uh yeah, yeah. makes out You're with right. chris um yeah. and then, and then sarah Meyer and his girlfriend come up and like cock block them yeah block, lip block them <laughs> i don't know yeah it's but, yeah. It, yeah but it's not there wasn't really any so yeah it i think at I think just for maybe subject matter, it probably would have gotten like a PG-13 rating today if like, you know, people weren't so uh, scared of, you know. <laughs> I'm a scared. Of anything. Basically, yeah. So, because, mm-hmm. yeah, because when you mentioned that, it's like, yeah, like it really wasn't, yeah. It, I don't see like what the whole problem was with this this was a be a basic teen pg-13 movie and we've seen yeah. some i mean especially recently there's been some teen movies out there where they're pg-13 and there's like a score of violence oh god yeah. but yeah but yeah but this one it's like not really like a guy falls out of the window but you don't actually see him hit the ground yeah um, the guy gets hit by the car was probably the most um oh yeah yeah um violent part yeah yeah they don't even show that though i mean they they kind of do but they don't show like his skull getting crushed or anything like that yeah usually the r's are at least reserved for showing blood yeah so yeah and the only blood in this is from them like pricking their fingers oh and uh from them slashing her wrist uh nancy slashing sarah's wrist 
which I I jokingly put in. You did the wrong way, Nancy. You dumbass. Know, it's like, it's like we're gonna kill you. It's like you did the wrong way. You should have gone with like, the scars. The if that was Nancy? the goal. But okay, <laughs> you even pointed out you did the right way. You were the one who said, yeah, like she, and yet you she can't. did it the quote like, unquote oh. right way before. But now they're supposed. To, her parents are supposed to assume that she did it the wrong way the next time. Like I don't. Uh, gosh, yeah fucking movie um anyway <laughs> i'm slowly dragging you to, to my side <laughs> it's like yes <laughs> understand the weirdness of that <laughs> we wanted to shine the spotlight on our favorite witch this week rachel india true who uh played rochelle yay like i said the um, highlight of this movie well there are two people who are the highlights i'll mention the other one after this um but yes oh. <laughs> yes afterwards afterwards we'll talk about my other highlight <laughs> so yeah she was uh born november 15th 1966 in new york city new york uh usa and um as i said before she was almost 30 years old when they were filming this that made her the oldest of the girls um and she was uh the middle child of three children her uh, father is uh, Ashkenazi Jewish descent, and her mother is of African-American heritage. Uh, and her younger sister, Noelle, is an actress and, uh, I believe, a producer. Uh, you may have seen her in Half-Baked as Mary Jane, and I fucking loved her in that um, because I just love that movie. And uh, she, did a, she did a few other things as well. Um, uh, she was also in, no, was it the, the, um, oh my God, I was going to call it UB40. And I was like, nope, Linda, that's a band. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that's an awesome band, but not what we're talking about. <laughs> she was, she's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, she's been in, um, the show Half and Half and, uh, where she plays a sister of, um, like uh, it's i think it's about these two sisters that uh actually become friends as adults um i haven't seen it obviously but uh she was also in one of my favorite uh lgbtq plus uh shows noah's ark uh it used to be on logo so fucking good i love that show so much but um yeah, she was also in, with Alyssa Milano in Embrace of the Vampire, which now I have to check out. <laughs> she's done a lot of, uh, of shows. And what I was thinking about earlier was CB4. That's what it was. Not UB40. Sorry. <laughs> like, have I mentioned that I'm sick? <laughs> like, really, really sick. But uh, in uh, 2017, uh, she had been, and, I, and I, I have to admit, I don't know if she's still doing this, but she was uh, reading tarot cards in Echo Park. And uh, now she actually came up with a, um, a really awesome looking uh, tarot deck that she calls uh, Intuitive Tarot. And it's called True Heart Intuitive it's Tarot. It's really pretty. The designs it are really, really pretty. We looked it up earlier before we started recording, and I even yeah, pre-ordered just, just for the it. design. <laughs> I mean, like I, I have um, 
like I have no interest in actually. I, I like I've always I've no interest in, like actually owning a tarot deck, but sometimes the art just makes me want to own them because sometimes the art on a lot of tarot decks is really pretty, and this is one I of those ones where it's like, yeah, no, I there I have um I used to have one. I'm trying to remember where it may have gone, but yeah, no. So sometimes it's just the art because sometimes people do some really amazing work with their um, tarot deck designs. And hers is one of the ones where it's like, just just for the art, you need to check it out. I still practice some, like, Wiccan things, but uh, but the tarot's just something that's never, like, lost its its um, interest for me. But, um, yeah, her, her deck is just absolutely gorgeous. And it's uh, going to be delivered out on October 13th of uh this year so um if you're interested you could find it on amazon for 27 dollars and 49 cents and uh you can pre-order now and i suggest you do because it's absolutely gorgeous now um i believe that there's like some stupid rule out there where like you're supposed to receive a tarot deck as a gift but you know, for me, I'm just like it's a gift for myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I'm I'm just all for art. Like I I just like mm. the art of a lot of these decks. Um, I mean, obviously, when I was sending you other tarot deck images, I was like, oh, like here's one of Sailor Moon. This one's pretty cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> to me, it's like it it's the art that people design for them that I've always well, I loved. I feel like even if you don't, um, like I I have a a deck called that I love. I've had, um. I've had a, a a deck for a long time. It's uh, the soul cards. Like even with those, I feel like if you don't, even if you don't believe in in tarot and all that stuff, you could still it it helps as like um uh as like a psychological tool for yourself because it's all about reading into the cards like what you will. There's no set thing of this card means this, this card means this. You can ask yourself a question, put out the cards and and see like which one calls to you. And there's got to be a reason for that. So I feel like it's a great like some decks can be really good at just like communicating with yourself, if that makes any sense. I can, I can but, see. I mean, like I like I said, I, I, I always feel bad. Sometimes I feel like I'm being really glib about certain things, especially about beliefs and everything. But mm-hmm. It's for me, it's I I also respect when it gives people comfort. Like I I don't want yeah. to say that if it brings somebody comfort or brings somebody some sort of peace of mind, regardless of the belief, you know, as long as it doesn't cause harm to another person, then yeah. I think that that's really beautiful because mm-hmm. I you know, sometimes I kind of wish I could find that, but at the same time I my my brain doesn't want me to, I guess, if you want me to paint it, which is why I just find the art pretty, I guess is what I would mm-hmm. say. But at the same time, it's like, I, I always appreciate that in people. Like they find something that just calms them and soothes them yeah, in that way, or gives them, like I said, a peace of mind, you know, like I said, as long mm-hmm. as it doesn't hurt anybody else, then, you know, keep doing that. Keep doing what calms you. Keep doing what makes you like, gives you a sense of like a direction, you know? So and with yeah, this, I so. love this because it's also like, you know, um, creating art, putting out in the, uh, art in the world. And that's what it seems like. It seems like like Rachel True is uh, like a true artist and she has to, you know, do something creative 
And I love that. And, you know, she's, like I said, she's putting out uh, art in the world now. And uh, back when it was on, not too long ago, she was in a podcast that would uh, recap uh, uh, Game of Thrones episodes. <laughs> so she's a fellow <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> I wonder what she thought of the final season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> We're going to have to listen and find out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to find out because I'm just like, yeah, this is... I've heard some interesting opinions, and it's not a bad interest. It's more of a, okay, I can see that, but also, yes, you clearly caught on to this, and I can agree with this, I can disagree with that. It's like, yeah, we're in hindsight mm -hmm. a year later, <laughs> the opinions have kind of shifted, I think, to mesh with what some people felt at the very end of that yes. in the beginning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Still waiting for the sixth book, George R. R. Martin. <laughs> I, I, I'm not trying it's to rush you. Happening. Just, just, just yeah, you know, I, I don't want to. Like, I, I mean, nobody's trying to, well, some people are trying to rush him. I want to be uh, good. That's why I don't want him to rush, but at the same time. <laughs> I hope so, that COVID ha does have you all locked up away in your house <laughs> writing that book because I would like no more. <laughs> I have to get into the unfortunate parts uh, about uh, about the movie now. Oh, I um, thought you were going to talk about the unfortunate role that Rachel True had. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> we're not going to talk about Sharknado 2. <laughs> She yes, thank you, Jane. She has been in Sharknado two and believe three. I I didn't say three. I didn't see three, but yes, I saw two, and I was like, oh well, whatever. <laughs> as long as you had fun, I'm sure you did. That's what I matters. hope you did. <laughs> Either way, she's awesome. But uh, no, I'm I'm talking about the unfortunate racial aspects of this well i mean um, we we kind of already i mean it was kind of addressed first with the fact that rochelle's character is being you know harassed and mm -hmm. the victim of racial attacks but at the same time it's an all-white catholic school and it's like yeah uh, although well, i don't know that like was what's upsetting that... that like her journey had to be against a racist you know it's like can't you just like make her like one of the other girls, can't you give her like a story that has nothing to do with race? Yeah, but I mean, to all in the, in the same respect, I mean, they were actually addressing something that was still and still is very hidden or unspoken. You know, mm -hmm. this might, I mean, I don't know, because clearly she was cast because she was really good, but um, maybe they were then able to develop that plot line to say, hey, people are still saying this shit and yeah, that's true the, so i mean like yeah the the racial aspect's not good but you know imagine being because it, it clearly rochelle's family is also wealthy from the house that sarah kind of wanders on top uh, to and the big huge lovely door that rochelle opens so it's like but at the same time it's like she's still the black girl in a all white school and she's still mm -hmm. made to feel like the outsider regardless of any sort of status or wealth she may have being there mm -hmm. and that still happens today it's not about the money that you have it still has people can just look down at your skin color and say no we don't care and i think that that i think that there was like i think that the fact that she was attending that almost made it feel like you can see where she felt even more isolated 
Um, mm-hmm. Even though, like, you know, we say, like, hey, everybody can be the same if you just get this and do this. It's like, no, no, there's Mm-mm. there's still that underlying bigotry out there. So and that's true. That was something that was never really addressed in the 90s. You know, it still isn't well addressed today, as we've seen. Well, so, unfortunately, like there were still some racial aspects and the making of and the publicity of the movie. Um, she said, uh quote when we did the read through i had a scene with my upper middle class stodgy parents we shot it but it ended up being cut from the film which i was a little bummed about because i was like wait all the other girls get parents i don't get parents and this was 20 years ago so then i said listen you're black and you're in the movie that's pretty good already yeah and that's that's been kind of i didn't know about that because that's that's unfortunate because yeah it would have been nice to see her interact with her family and everything because because i was thinking the same thing where's her parents yeah well to be fair in the case of most of them like you saw them but they were kind of absent in a lot of their kids lives but i mean that was more of the like the where's your child right now as they're wandering around like the more disgusting streets of los angeles (laughs) (laughs) but same time yeah like you're right you don't get to see her parents it's like it would have been nice to you know, see their reasoning behind what they were doing and seeing her deal with, like, the school she's going to. So, yeah, it's well, like, she yeah. Also it's also said um, that, she says, quote, there was a publicity junket that they were only going to take the, uh, the other three girls to. At the oh, time, God. 20 years ago, I was like, oh, it's me, it's me, it must be me. And now I realize it wasn't me, it was marketing. They didn't really think it was going to get a black audience, is my guess. That would never happen today. If you have four leads in a movie, you'll take all four leads. But that's something that people don't quite understand. It's like, why do black people still whinge on about that? Well, because that stuck with me all these years that for some reason I wasn't as important. Now, I did eventually get added to that junket because one of the other actresses said you should really bring her. Then the next year, Feruza, Robin, and Nev were all on the MTV Movie Awards, and I was not. Granted, those girls had all worked more than me. At the time, I just said, oh, it's probably because Feruza is known and Nev is on a TV show, because she was on Party of Five at the time. She said, I'm kind of 50-50 on it. It's also that they were white. Yes. And the sad thing is that, you know, even just... Looking at her Twitter feed today, I saw that there were tweets about the uh, Showtime. You can watch the streaming on Showtime or on Amazon for free if you have a Showtime subscription. But Showtime, for the synopsis of it, they have a picture. uh, I mean, they have the, um, you know, the synopsis. They have the director, writer, blah, blah, blah. And they list the three white girls. Yeah, I saw that when I was looking at the thing on Amazon. I was like, where's Rachel? (laughs) Like, isn't she part of this? (laughs) Yeah, she's not listed at all. And that's really pretty fucked up. Yeah, because honestly, again, I I still hold that she was the best in this movie. She was the one who I wanted to follow more with the story and everything. Well, like I said, she just has this, like, she and Feruza Balk, no, like, no, um, uh, nothing negative 
meant toward Nev Campbell, but they, I feel like they have the most, uh, presence and they're just, I don't know, like there, there's something that, you know, I enjoy watching, uh, watching them on, on screen. And so I don't know, it's, it's annoying. It's definitely annoying, but, um, also, um, she said, uh, I think we probably all had deals in our contracts for a sequel, but that was more about locking you in at a price, which obviously I'm, I'm pretty sure that if they did a reboot or like a sequel now, they couldn't lock them in at that price. I should <laughs> hope so. Cause it's been 24 years. But, well, it um, sort of reminds, it sort of uh, mm-hmm. harkens back to the original movie studios where they basically owned you, you know, so you mm-hmm. couldn't go work at another studio. So, yeah, they're trying to lock them in at something. But, yeah, yeah obviously, so they can't no, 25 say, years. Like, yeah, you can't afford me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she said nothing ever happened with it. I have a love-hate thing with Charmed because that's clearly a craft ripoff. They use the same song and the same font. Also, leave it to Aaron Spelling to make them all sisters so they don't have to be, uh, they didn't have to even have an ethnic character. (laughs) And it's like, well, fuck, you're making really good points here. (laughs) And I I do enjoy Charmed, but um, I was surprised to find out while I was rewatching The Craft that yeah, Charmed even uses the uh, the Love Spit Loves cover of How Soon Is Now that uh, that was a song that was specifically created for the craft. And so that Charmed used it for their theme song. And it's like, yeah, no, nothing to see here. <laughs> no, they're not ripping it off. But so you're thinking like, well, if you watch the current Charmed, they actually do have women of color. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, on I, the CW. I've only watched, uh, the first couple episodes, though, I have to admit. and I've I never watched any of Charmed, either the original or the new one. I, I have way too much Ooh, on but my... But you're going to. Oh, I know I will. <laughs> it's got Shannon Doherty, man. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Oh. I mean, yeah, that's a drive for me. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I was like, why is that a pull? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing wrong with Shan Doherty. I'm just like, okay, you know, she's an actress. Mm-hmm. You know, if you said Kathy Bates, I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> Fuck, uh, yeah, yeah. If, I mean, well, and Kathy that's why Bates we're going to watch American Horror Story coming. Horror Story, yeah. <laughs> I love her so much. But uh, I guess, you know, we're going on 90 minutes now, so <laughs> I guess I should say. Okay, well, say. we do have to address my one other favorite oh, character. Sure, yes. And it's the nurse at the end who jabs Nancy with the needle. <laughs> <laughs> Only because of her line, which he's like, he gave me the power. And he's like, he's going to like, he's going to, um, oh God, what was it? He's, he's going to make he's me gonna, fly. Yeah, he's going to be flying. She's like, well, he's giving you something, honey, but it's not the power. <laughs> and I'm just like. <laughs> Okay, you're my new favorite character right now because yes. <laughs> you basically encompass how probably my attitude would be if I was a nurse dealing with that. Right. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, this ain't the power. <laughs> Please be quiet. <laughs> you're yep, bothering the fine. other patients who are trying to get well. <laughs> yep, you're about to fly, uh-huh. <laughs> That's nice, honey. Yes. 
I don't know why, but I was like, oh, she, I, I want more of her now. And she was kind of the hero of the piece. <laughs> yes. She got Nancy to be quiet. <laughs> oh, so now I suppose is the time I say, please listen, subscribe, rate, and review Bedknobs and Broom Flicks on Apple Podcasts. It helps us immensely. It helps other people to find us. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you can do so on all other podcast platforms, uh, I believe we're on all of them. So please, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, remember you can find Bed Knobs and Broom Flicks on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. Although I'll admit that I'm mostly on Twitter, uh, at, at Broom Flicks. And you can write to us at broomflicks at gmail.com. That's B-R-O-O-M-F-L-I-C-K-S. We have the we're, we're the best because we have licks at the end. Um, and you can find me on the weekly podcast, Cage's Kiss, the Nicholas Cage podcast. Uh, we just covered Mom and Dad, which I loved and apparently the boys hated um, for some bizarre reason. But uh, also check me out as Lila, Lila in Dispatches of Disassociation as Patrice and Lieutenant Murphy in Coyote's Bluff, uh, which is coming up. And also in the upcoming Golden Girls podcast, Picture It with Kristen. Oh, no. You know what? I'm a liar. I'm a big fat liar. We yeah, I was going to say, I thought, I thought you took the name that I suggested. I was like, okay, I guess my suggestion wasn't good enough. Oh, I'm a big fat liar. Sorry. Um, we changed it to When Girls Were Golden. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still sick and dying. <laughs> Please don't die on me. <laughs> Who else is going to listen to me on my inane rants about movies? <laughs> <laughs> you can invoke my spirit. <laughs> Linda, come. I must tell you about CW. <laughs> I call upon you. <laughs> and you can hear me go, Son of a bitch. <laughs> this is Linda's hell. <laughs> yes. Jane basically explained every single episode of, this, of any CW show she's seen <laughs> and explaining why she needs to watch it because it is actually good. Every podcast I've been involved with is coming back threefold. <laughs> <laughs> find me in any of your department stores rearranging those um, initial mugs into very naughty words <laughs> it's true <laughs> I'd like to thank Doug Walters and Redwire Blackwire for allowing us to use their song Compass thank you so much it's amazing and uh, while you're at it go check out their stuff it's great and next week we will hopefully be chatting about Queen of Shadows <laughs> or the fourth book in here. the Throne of Glass book series. Yes, yeah, so she how where are you at, Linda? Let's tell our listeners. Where are you at in the book? <laughs> I'm at the halfway point. Let's see here. And the bet is September fifteenth, you have to finish this. Nine Everybody, days. please get ready to watch the first season of Vampire Diaries. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to take time off from work just to read this fucking book. <laughs> yeah, if you guys have not gathered yet, I am a slow ass reader. I love reading, but I am so goddamn slow. 
you were like, the one earlier saying that you're just caught up on puzzles right now. It's not even about your slow ass mm. reading. It's like it's like hmm puzzles. <laughs> There's that too. I am addicted to logic and mathematical pro- uh, puzzles. So, I mean, I don't blame oh. you. I am too. It's just this is getting hilarious to me. <laughs> At least my excuse for not reading the Koal only book is because it's a Koal only book. Koal whatever. Koal Koal. Chaos. I have to remember. like chaos with an all. Yeah, Carl. <laughs> I mean, I've been told. <laughs> I've been told honestly that if you keep reading it by other people who've reviewed it, that you know they weren't really wanting to read this, but it does get good. And I've already Ooh. kind of latched on to one of the characters in the sixth book um, for yeah. Throne of Glass. So, yeah. Oh man. So all yeah. right, I'm gonna get my ass in gear. So, you're going to um, go to sleep. Don't pretend you're going to start going to bed and reading. I know you're going to go and sleep because you are sick and you need sleep. Okay. I do need sleep. Sleep. <laughs> but lately we've been addicted to uh, Man in the High Castle too. So there's that. <laughs> you're but, causing your own sleep problems. I'm just going to say I, this. I, I, um, I know. And then, Not like, to sound like a mom, I'm... but you are doing this to yourself, sweetie. <laughs> I know. And tomorrow I'm just going to have another podcast that I'm involved with somehow, I'm sure. <laughs> There's still I'm the shark one. The we can still watch bad shark movies and talk about them. <laughs> I am more than happy to do that. We are in talks of that. So. Yes. And I'm trying to push that. I don't care who it's with right now. I just want to do that because I'm just like, oh, somebody else will watch bad shark movies with me. Yes. <laughs> and until then, <laughs> what's that got to do with my knob? A volume knob. <laughs> don't ask yeah. what the volume knob looks like. It's very sad and sort of um, loose. <laughs> Giggle Water Gang, I'm Kina, the host of the boozy and delightfully foul mouth comedy podcast, Historical AF. Fun fact, I'm an actual real life legit public historian, and each week I am joined by a special guest to deliver some funny, weird, spooky, and morbid historical nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. Past topics have included the mythical, magical manhood of Russia's mad muck, Rasputin, My hot take that aliens did not build the pyramids. Some medieval animal trials. And I'm talking a pig ate your kid, so let's burn it like a witch trial. And I've covered serial killers that both my parents happened to meet as children. How do I seriously exist right now? And let's not forget about the spooky. We've covered the ghost of Anne Boleyn and the night marchers in Hawaii. Don't look at them. If you do, you have to strip naked. Tim's rules. You can find Historical AF on your favorite podcasting platforms, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Historical AF Pod. For your one-stop shop for all links on how to listen, the website, photos, Patreon, merch, and more, go to linktr.ee/historicalafpod. Again, that is 
link l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e forward slash historical af pod i cannot wait for you to join us cheers Bye.